0: everyone and welcome to Murder and Merlot.
1: We are a true crime book club podcast. I'm your host Tara and I'm your host Michelle. How's it going Michelle? Oh it's going pretty good.
0: No complaints tonight I guess. <laughs> that's good. I feel like you've said the exact same thing on the last like three recordings we've done is just pretty good. No complaints <laughs> which I mean that's I mean, it's that's not goal.
1: 900 degrees anymore and you know, the secret's out, we're feeling good, you know, like, I don't know, life is good right
0: now. We're not dying of morning sickness. We're, we're surviving here.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's almost feels like thriving a little bit, Oh
0: my, which I don't want to jinx. I so don't want to put that out there because the universe has a way of going. (laughs) Ah, fuck you. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So yeah, let's not get too ahead of ourselves, but
1: yeah, we're doing pretty good. Yeah, things are good. Things are good. Yeah. I know that um, a bunch of people have been listening to our Chernobyl series. I haven't heard any real feedback on it yet. But
0: yes, me neither. But I'm I'm excited for when people do catch up because yeah. I know this has been going on for quite a while. Like I've drawn this Chernobyl series out for a bit. So now everything's out. You can go and just binge it and listen, which you probably already have done if you're listening to this. But yeah, so I'm looking forward to hearing people's thoughts on it because obviously I did a deep dive into this case. Yes.
1: Yes. Which I loved. I think it's fantastic.
0: Good. I hope so. So yeah, hopefully everybody has enjoyed it up until this point and send us some thoughts. Yeah. And yeah, today's book club. So Mm-hmm. Which was so book funny book that clubs. we totally forgot to mention anything about our book club <laughs> oh, <yeah>. basically throughout <laughs> all of our Chernobyl series. And I was like, oh, yeah, I should probably just chuck that in there that we, this is right. the point of our podcast. We do this thing called a book club. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> it's
1: fine. It's we have fine. fetuses eating our brains. It's cool. Oh, my God. Let me <laughs> tell you, it's embarrassing. <laughs> baby brain is no joke. It's no joke, man, and it just gets worse. The more I, you have, the worse it gets.
0: I believe that and I am so scared for my mental well-being. <laughs> People are going to
1: I'm pretty sure. Me. I'm pretty sure it was one of our bosses who told me, um, every baby you have, you lose 25% of your brain. Oh, <laughs> and crap. I was like, "Oh good." <laughs> Great, great. Especially because Wiley wants great. a big family, so. <laughs> well, dude, I'm on baby number three. So that leaves me running at 25%. Hey, well, <laughs> I think you're doing pretty well at 25%
0: <laughs> some days. Well, actually, would it be 25%? Because they say that, you know, you don't actually use your full brain functions. So we're already like, right. right so down. I'm probably like 10%. Maybe. <laughs> Oh boy. But that's okay. Cause you know, we're doing well. Ignorance is bliss. Maybe. I don't know. Totally. This is fine. Everything is fine. That's why things are going better. Cause we're just
1: oblivious right now. Totally. Yeah. Sunshine and unicorns, man. This is life right now. <laughs> this is life.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, we should probably jump into our Book club for today
1: because I'm excited about that. Let's do it. All right, friends, grab your glass and get cozy. Let's book club it up. Tink.
0: All right. And of course, our book club discussion today is on the book Midnight in Chernobyl The Untold Story of the World's Greatest Nuclear Disaster by Adam Higginbotham. So, the synopsis. The definitive harrowing story of the accident at the Chernobyl nuclear power plant and a powerful investigation into how propaganda, secrecy, and myth have obscured the truth of one of the 20th century's greatest disasters. Early in the morning of April 26, 1986, reactor number four of the Chernobyl Atomic Energy Station exploded, triggering history's worst nuclear accident. Drawing on hundreds of hours of interviews conducted over the course of more than 10 years, as well as letters, unpublished memoirs, and documents from recently declassified archives, Adam Higginbotham has written a gripping and compelling story that brings the disaster to life through the eyes of the men and women who witnessed it firsthand. The result is a chronicle of astonishing heroics and maddening incompetence, a study of the promise of science and also its potential to lure us into the hubris and danger and the definitive account of an event that changed history. A story that is more complex, more human, and more terrifying than the Soviet myth.
1: And about the author, Adam Higginbotham was born in England in 1968. His narrative, nonfiction, and feature writing has appeared in magazines including The New Yorker, Wired, Smithsonian, and The New York Times Magazine. Many of his stories have been optioned for development in film and TV. His first book, Midnight in Chernobyl, The Untold Story of the World's Greatest Nuclear Disaster, is an international bestseller and has been translated into 21 languages. It was named one of the New York Times' 10 Best Books of the Year, won the 2020 William E. Colby Award for Military and Intelligence Writing, and awarded the 2020 Andrew Carnegie Medal for Excellence in Nonfiction. He is currently at work on a new book about the history of the space shuttle and the 1986 Challenger disaster the former U.S. correspondent for the Sunday Telegraph magazine and editor-in-chief of The Face. He lives with his family in New York City. All right, let's talk about the physical book,
0: the title, cover, feel, first impressions, all that good stuff. What did you think when you first picked it up?
1: Um, Well, the title of the book was enough to draw me in, right? And also terrify me. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But the book felt good in my hands when I got it. Its cover is subtle. There isn't like a big radiation symbol on the front or somebody with their face melted off. (laughs) It's yellow and orange with what appears to be burn marks on the edges and has a rougher texture. Uh, the print is small, but it's not too small and it's easily readable. My only complaint about the book is that the front cover doesn't completely cover the book. Mm. They left like a quarter of an inch so that the black from the first page peeks out. And I don't know, call me picky, but I don't like it. No, that's fair. It needs to cover the whole book. (laughs) I mean, I don't think that's too much to ask. Right. I just, I'm like, why? Like, what is the purpose of this being a quarter of an inch shorter? Mm-hmm. I don't get it. Um, like but it's literally called the front cover, like it should cover. Right. And then it's protecting all the pages on the inside. Exactly. I'm, I'm fussy. To, I, I'm a book nerd, okay. right? We that's, know this. So that's okay.
0: The, all of that, it's very important to your reading experience. Exactly. That's why we talk about it?
1: Yes. Yeah. What did you, what was your first impression of it? So when I opened my Amazon
0: package and pulled the book out, I was like, oh boy, he's chonky. <laughs> and that made me nervous <laughs> to cover the case because I was already committed and I was like, oh damn, this is going to be, this going to be a lot. But um, as for the cover and the overall look, like, eh, like I like the colors, the yellow turning into a reddish orange is a nice change from the typical true crime Book look, you know what I mean. Red and black, yes, (laughs) which I still love, but a change is nice once in a while. And of course, it works with the whole explosion, fire, disaster theme of the book. Um, The letters that um, kind of get distorted, like they're being melted off or burned away. I get it; it makes sense. But overall, I I think the cover is missing something. I don't know what that Mm -hmm. something is, but it's just missing. Somebody with their face melted off? Maybe that's it. Yeah. (laughs) Must be. Must be. (laughs) So yeah, that was my first impression. Okay.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Who chose this
0: book, Tara? (laughs) I chose this book. Even though I had already had a different book and case in mind, I decided to switch it up on us. And honestly, I was thinking, I'm going to be quite pregnant while covering this case, and I'm not going to have a lot of time, so I need a topic that won't be too complicated. Oh, and that I yeah. can cover in one or two parts, because that's what everybody else does. But clearly, <laughs> I'm an idiot. <laughs> Surprise! This was like the most intense and difficult case I've covered yet, so that backfired
1: severely. I mean, you have to relearn physics. Yeah, so- What was I thinking? But uh, it was- Who wants to do that when you're like eight months pregnant?
0: Yeah, um, wouldn't recommend. Did it, tried it. So now you don't have to, but like, yeah. Don't get me wrong. It was a great book. I really enjoyed it, but I bit off more than I could chew. (laughs) Very ambitious. It was very ambitious, (laughs) but hey, we're over the hard part now. So it's all good. Totally, totally. (laughs) All right have you read
1: other books by this author? No, but I would. Because mm-hmm. he's writing the other one about the 1986 Challenger disaster, which I yes. think is interesting because this one took place in 1986. I so, was just like, thinking a lot that. of shit happened in the world in 1986. And this guy's like, hey, I'm on it. I love the 80s. Like, uh-
0: <laughs> this is my year. <laughs> just so funny. I didn't make that connection until you said 1986 Challenger disaster. And then I'm like, hey, this happened in 1986 what is happening i know i
1: didn't i didn't really put that together either but yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah i definitely would, would read read more of his stuff because it's really well written oh yeah absolutely you? and the fact
0: that no yeah no i haven't read anything else by adam Hagenbotham. but the fact that this is his first book is like wow like way to start yeah. off with a bang like you really went like, for it well
1: done yeah <laughs> like that's intense yes Um, What did you already know about this subject before reading the book?
0: Well, when I thought about Chernobyl, I often thought of an abandoned, uninhabitable, spooky city. The case was just completely absent of people to me, Mm -hmm. which is so funny in hindsight now. I knew that there was a nuclear power plant, an explosion, and that everyone evacuated. Honestly, I thought the explosion happened and everyone just got the fuck out of there immediately. I had no idea that it actually took- As they should have. (laughs) As they should have. Like that just made sense to me. Like, yeah, this bad thing happened. Everybody got up and left. Yeah, that's what should happen. But (laughs) that's not what happened. Um, But yeah, I had no idea that it actually took days to evacuate and the human sacrifice that the cleanup efforts took. And I had listened to podcasts about the incident before, but clearly very little information seeped into my head about it, uh, because mm. I was just in it for the spooky city vibes.
1: Mm-hmm. What about you? Well, I the basics, right? There was a Ukrainian nuclear power plant that exploded in 1986 because humans are dumb <laughs> and a bunch of radiation is still left over, and it's like the home of three-eyed lake monsters and radiation zombies. Right. It's the usual, right? Casual. That's that's what I thought. Yeah. But I had fairly recently watched the HBO miniseries, which we're going to talk about later, right. um, and it shed a bit more light on what happened, but man, I had no idea it went so deep or how corrupt it actually was, Yeah, like, that all, and that there's no radiations, zombies. Right. Surprise.
0: Yeah. <laughs> hmm. I don't know if I'm excited or disappointed about that. Right? <laughs> uh, all right. Let's see. Is this book or case overrated or underrated?
1: Well, it's a New York Times bestseller, plus it was a finalist for the Andrew Carnegie Medal for the American Library Association, so I would say it's probably appropriately rated. Yes, yeah, that's
0: fair. I think it's pretty appropriately rated as well. Um, I really never saw anything about it beforehand, though. Like Until I started looking for a book about Chernobyl, I never saw it pop up on any of my recommended or on my Instagram or anything like that. So I
1: thought it would have been more popular. Like, I don't know, because it was- Because of the things that we search for on Amazon, typically have to do with like murder. That's fair. Direct murder. This
0: is (laughs) direct murder,
1: not (laughs) indirect radioactive bullet murder. (laughs) Right. Yes. I think that's probably why it wasn't showing up because I've seen somebody- commented earlier in the summer and they're like, Oh, what book should I read for at the lake? And I'm, I commented on something. I was mm-hmm. like, Oh, I'm reading Midnight in Chernobyl. And I had lots of people be like, Oh my God, it's so good. Yeah. So
0: yeah. And I didn't think anybody was really reading it until I went through Instagram and specifically looked for it, And I'm like, Oh, there's a whole bunch of people reading it. I just, yeah, I just didn't know. So yeah. So I guess in conclusion, appropriately rated.
1: Yes, absolutely. What did you like best about this book? Just the
0: wealth of knowledge and information that went into this book. Like, my God, the time and effort it would have taken to complete and compile this book must have been immense. So I just really respect that. And obviously, Mm -hmm. if you haven't noticed, I like to understand all the things. I like to learn every single detail about a subject or a case. So I appreciated this book and that the author provided background information to not only explain what happened, but why everything happened. What
1: did you like best? About I agree. This book? <laughs> I really like that. Oh, so many things. Like, I loved that it didn't skimp on the details mm-hmm. and started right from the beginning. And the description of the shortcuts taken from the Soviet officials and engineers, the setup of the explosion itself, and it mm-hmm. pro- portrayed that it wasn't just one man's mistake or even a handful of men's mistakes. It was broken from the very conception of the building. Mm-hmm. And I loved that he, yeah, he went that far back and he's like, no, no. It wasn't just this one night. Right. Yes. There's all of these things. And then how it followed the story through completely from beginning, through the effects of radiation on the environment, people, and the world, Mm -hmm. and then the trial, plus then the revealed secrets that have been found out since the USSR dismantled to Mm -hmm. basically present day. I really appreciated that just following it completely through. So yeah, absolutely. Very good points. And yeah, I, I
0: think that in this case, it's often overlooked all of those Beginning stages where things were mm-hmm. overlooked or rushed or completely skipped on purpose. Totally. Those things aren't brought up very often in this case. It's like, oh yeah, there are people in the control room number four. They did a dumb thing and then a disaster happened.
1: But it's like, well, more went into it, was, it than that. It was broken from the beginning and it was, yeah, yeah set it, up for a disaster. Exactly.
0: They were so. doomed, essentially.
1: <laughs> right? <laughs> What did you like least about this book? Uh, the nightmares it left me with. <laughs> yes, I'm not even kidding. Um, <laughs> I would have to take breaks. Like I'd be like, I'm like in it. I'm reading, it, and I read before bed, and then I'd like have all sorts of crazy radiation filled <laughs> dreams. And I'm like, well, I need to stop for a day. Yeah, no kidding. And uh, cool down a little bit. Um, but in all seriousness, the the book was great. The only thing that I would say took me a bit of time was becoming familiar with the russian words like mm-hmm. forgive me because i am not russian like <laughs> ap- apparatchik oh, okay I struggled yep. with that one yeah and um academic is that how you say it i don't know <laughs> i thought okay so okay. i thought for a long time that that word was somebody's first name and i was like well let's put that on the baby name list right yeah <laughs> <laughs> a- academia I'm not sure oh, but like, yeah it's it's like, it's like academic
0: but like yeah like a Russian way of saying an academic person but I totally <laughs>
1: thought because how, how they write it I'm like yes is this yeah. is this guy's first name like that's a
0: mouthful <laughs> so funny that you brought up baby names though because I'm looking for baby names everywhere and I I honestly I love Russian so much and I'm like oh I wish I could use a cool Russian name but these are much too Russian. I don't. I'm not yes. Russian. I I can't pull that off. No, no,
1: no. It would uh-huh. not go. If you have a girl, no. you could have like baby oh, no. Svetlana. <laughs> yes, or Masha. <laughs> like the right? really sense woman that this really scary, dangerous place was named after. Right. I'm also I, looking for baby I, names everywhere, yes. but yeah, I wasn't finding them in this no. book. So <laughs> I like Katya,
0: though. But it's, but yeah, it's too, pretty, it's too Russian, though. It doesn't fit with yeah. her <laughs> <laughs> oh, That's it. Uh, what did you like least about the book? Uh, let's see. I found that if you paid really close attention to the dates and the times that the timeline was actually a little bit confusing. So in part one, the chapters are titled with the date and time. Although in one chapter, a day would pass and then the events in the next chapter would actually start way before the last one left off if that makes sense oh yes yeah so obviously for storytelling purposes I understand that it'd be extremely difficult to keep everything in exact chronological order but maybe just don't put so much focus on the date and times if everything's going to be a bit jumbled like that and yes it wouldn't have been a big deal or noticeable but because I was
1: using it as a reference to tell a story then (laughs) that's
0: why I picked up on it
1: Yes. And I definitely noticed it too, but I, I then we just began paying attention to the dates, right? Like, okay, so this happened before Mm -hmm. that, and this is now after that. And yet it's kind of hard to wrap your brain around that.
0: Yes. And then,
1: so one,
0: I picked out one example that was like, okay, this one really messed with my brain. (laughs) So First, they were just willing to discuss the idea of the evacuations, and then they needed to go to the helicopter to look into the reactor further, and then they were going to make the official decision and announcement to evacuate appropriate. But apparently the citizens were told at 1.10pm on Sunday about the evacuation order, but later in that book, they say that they had already packed up and had everything ready to go by lunchtime, and that the buses had already arrived at 3am, which was apparently like before the decision was even made. So they were talking about making the decision, but apparently like the buses had already arrived
1: hours and hours and hours before. So it just, it was confusing. Yeah. It is <laughs> a little confusing. And yeah. did they just call the buses in so they'd be ready just in case?
0: But then it's Who like knows, right? what they call thousands and thousands of buses in when almost everybody was against the idea of evacuations in the first place and they didn't yeah. draw attention to themselves. So I'm like, I don't know if this was just explained in a weird way, but anyways, I just thought it was a little bit yeah. confusing. A little jumpy. Yeah. A but again, jumpy. I was only picking apart the timeline because I was, you know, trying to make it make sense and tell it back totally in a story. So it wasn't a, a totally. big deal or anything, just something that
1: I picked up on. Um, can you share a favorite quote from the book and mm-hmm. why you chose it? Sure. Uh, so yes, this quote
0: is based around what one senior unit engineer, Boris Stelarichuk, was experiencing and thinking while walking through the debris of the exploded power plant. Quote, Dawn had broken. The light was crisp and clear. What Stelarichuk saw did not frighten him, but he was struck by one thought. I'm so young, and it's all over. Reactor number four was gone. In its place was a simmering volcano of uranium fuel and graphite. A radioactive blaze that would prove all but impossible to extinguish. End quote. And I chose this quote because I'm sure the same thought went through so many minds of the workers and the liquidators at Chernobyl. So many of them were young, healthy men, early 20s, really just starting their lives. And then they were faced with this. But still, even though they knew it could very well end their lives, they did what they had to do with no hesitation.
1: Mm-hmm. I really like that quote too. Mm-hmm. And it just like, Struck a chord, right? Like, mm-hmm. well, this is where it all ends. Yep, but you just keep going forward. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What did you pick for your quote? I picked three. Cause nice, because <laughs> yeah, one, one of us has to be an overachiever when it comes to the quotes, right? So, every time, it's yeah, yeah, one or the other. Um, but they all three of them really sat with me. Like, they, I thought about them for a long time after I read them, and I was like, okay, like. Those are them, right? So the first one is quote during these crucial periods, the engineers at their desks in the control room became almost totally blind to what was happening inside the active zone. Instead of reading their instruments, they were forced to estimate the levels of activity in the core using experience and intuition. This made startup and shut down the most demanding and treacherous stages of the RBMK operation. End quote. And this is just one example of how dangerous the whole process. running the RBMK reactor was, and the oversights that happened during operation, Mm -hmm. they literally had times where they were running it blind. Yeah,
0: absolutely. One of them being a 25-year-old man, which I was just saying, they're so young, and that was just thrown into the situation without being prepared ahead of time. It was just like, oh, shift change. Here you go. Take over. Use your intuition to figure out
1: how to shut this reactor down. You got this, bro. Fine. Yeah, Yeah, that's scary. Yeah. Uh, The second one, um, it's probably my favorite quote of the whole book. And it just gives me goosebumps, but it's quote, only the fate of the crows that had come to scavenge the debris, but stayed too long and whose radiated carcasses now littered the area around the plant provided any visible warning of the cost of ignorance End quote. That's a good one. It's literally my favorite quote of the book because it paints such a visible picture of how The radiation was being denied Mm -hmm. that it existed, but it was wreaking havoc on the ecosystem already, Mm -hmm. right? Like,
0: yes. And for to have a visual with radiation because you can't see it and that's the scary thing, but to have finally something that you can place and be like, oh, yeah, that is from the radiation. There are actual effects happening.
1: Dead crows everywhere. Like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Spooky for sure. Spooky, right? (laughs) Yeah. So now there's going to be zombie crows, like, well, ghost crows. crows. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Hey, it is what it is. You just got to deal with it. (laughs) And my last one is quote slowly at first, but then with gathering momentum, the Soviet public began to discover how deeply it had been misled, not only about the accident and its consequences, but also about the ideology and identity upon which their society was founded the accident and the government's inability to protect the population from its consequences finally shattered the illusion that the USSR was a global superpower armed with technology that led the world. And as the state's attempts to conceal the truth of what happened had come to light, even the most faithful citizens of the Soviet Union faced the realization that their leaders were corrupt and that the communist dream was a sham, end quote. Dang. And like... If there was ever a quote that summed up the beginning of the end of the USSR, mm-hmm. that's it.
0: Yeah. And actually, I was thinking earlier that I didn't mention in my series that I had intended to, but Gorbachev later said that Chernobyl was one of the main things that brought down the Soviet Union, yep. which yep. is it insane. was a catalyst. Yeah, absolutely. So I love that you picked that quote.
1: Yeah, it was just like... That even the most loyal are like, hey, everybody's corrupt. That's awesome. Yeah, exactly.
0: Nice. I love that you, the quotes that you picked were perfect because it's like the actual explosion, the effects that it had on the people and the environment, and then the political corrupt aspect of it. It's like I am a those, beginning, middle, and <laughs> end. Exactly. <person>. So- <laughs> like it, it really sums up Chernobyl well. It does. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, what were you feeling when you read this book?
1: shock, Mm -hmm. fear, overwhelm at the dumb. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Disbelief, some more shock and legit being terrified. Yeah. (laughs) Totally fair. Yeah. 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 My feelings are very, very similar.
0: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. They weren't happy feels. I'll tell you that. Uh, There was frustration, shock, fear, general anxiety, and paranoia. It was just, it was a lot. It's and a lot. Generally, when I cover a case, I listen to the audiobook on repeat all of the time, just soaking in all of the details. And then I jump into writing whenever I have the time, but not with this book. Like I had to be in the right headspace to even listen or to read about it because it was just so overwhelming to be like, okay, now I have to take all this and put
1: it into my words. How am I going to do that? <laughs> because I just want to scream at all the people. Oh, is yes. It was a lot for sure. Yeah. Literally a lot. <laughs> yes. um, what were your favorite pictures included in the book and why?
0: Mm-hmm. So I picked two pictures. Uh, first, we have the equipment graveyard and it was just full of buses and fire trucks and helicopters and armed vehicles, construction equipment. Like all of these vehicles were just too contaminated to be removed from the exclusion zone so there's just a vast field of extremely expensive machinery just sitting there just google it if you haven't seen it it's mind-boggling it's It's so cool like to see
1: just rows of helicopters just abandoned like yeah wow you don't see that every day like ridiculously expensive technology that doesn't turn on anymore because the radiation has fried it right like like, millions and millions of dollars just sitting
0: in a graveyard basically yep insane Second, I chose the picture of the elephant's foot because <laughs> just to get that photo, <laughs> it threatened, it would threaten your life. Like you could die just from going and taking a picture of that mass. So I just, I don't know. It's just very powerful to see a picture of somebody else uh-huh. being next to that object and knowing that you could die in agonizing death if you're there longer than five minutes
1: yeah 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 like yeah. get out in two minutes, like,
0: yeah, don't push it. I would not push yeah. this one,,
1: <laughs> nope Mm-mm. and yeah. like, get the fuck out of Chernobyl, like get in, get your picture, and get right. on. It's cause... not
0: just like that immediate area. it's like quite an
1: expansive area that you need to get out of, <laughs> yeah, yeah. what did you say? Um, well, the first picture after the accident shot from a helicopter. Mm-hmm. I really like that one. The building is destroyed, and it there's smoke coming out of the center and it seriously makes you question how they ever denied that the reactor was ever intact. Right. Like, okay. Um, my second favorite was the elephant's foot picture. Yes. Like it's just too much. Like I can't, there's something so scary about this, like congealed mass of Mm -hmm. radioactive goo. I just, I know uh. it's just goo. It's just a blob, but it's, so much more than that <laughs> i know yeah and the last picture um i really loved is pripyat in april 2016 so mm-hmm. 30 years after the accident and the city has completely been reclaimed by nature it's very cool yeah i do love the recent um
0: look of the city it's something else yes alright uh what did you think about the book's length would you have shortened it or added
1: to it at all I thought it was perfect. Actually, it covered everything amazingly. And the book itself appears longer than it is because there's like 150 pages of references, Mm -hmm. glossary, and additional research notes. So like when you picked up that book and you're like, oh, he'd be chonky. It's chonky, but it's not as (laughs) overwhelmingly huge (laughs) as you think it is. Yes. The
0: relief I felt when I (laughs) realized that that was all references in the back and I didn't have to do like a fourth part of your novel. I was like, oh great. Right. <laughs> <Thank> God. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, what about you? Good, bad, ugly? That's a tough one for me. It's long because of how incredibly detailed it is, which obviously I appreciate, but at times it did seem to drag on a little bit too long. Like I remember thinking, okay, we're getting to the day of the explosion. Shit's about to go down, but then it would veer off in a different direction. So Yeah, I just felt like that happened a couple times and I just was like, okay, I think we can get to the point now. But um, upon reading it again and again, I was like, okay, now I can appreciate why
1: all that information is in there, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Totally. If you could hear the story from someone else's perspective, who would you want to hear?
0: So I think for the most part, Adam Higginbotham did a great job of including a lot of different perspectives in the story already. He has stories from different workers, firefighters, people of Pripyat, and so on. Mm -hmm. If I had to choose one perspective to really focus on, it would be on the medical side of things. Mm -hmm. Out of all the sciences, biology is is my jam. And I think one of the most interesting parts about this case is learning about the effects of radiation and what it does to the body. Mm -hmm. So uh, if Dr. Angelina Guskova wrote a book about her life and the Chernobyl disaster, I would Definitely read that in a heartbeat.
1: <laughs> beautiful,
0: and um, it's funny. It actually does look like she has contributed to a few books. One being "Nuclear War: The Medical and Biological Consequences, Soviet Physicians' Viewpoint," which I would totally read. But I figured out it's difficult to find in English. So upon my search, I found one on Amazon. But I have to read you the description because it's just it's beautiful. <laughs>
1: yeah okay Bring this
0: it. is this is what it translates to quote this ham has been smoked for six hours <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry it's so funny <laughs> this ham has been smoked for six hours and is a delicious feast in a honey glazed binding that will give you satisfaction from start to mid chapter four spoils in the end <laughs> <laughs> and I just oh died laughing because I was like legit I was like I will buy this book <laughs> I will read <laughs> a Soviet physician's viewpoint and then I'm like I don't think this is going to be very helpful <laughs> you just compared it to a ham so, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so yeah I don't know oh, amazing it's like some Russian cookbook got tossed in the mix there somehow but I love
1: it <laughs> That's amazing. That's probably the best description on a book I've ever heard. (laughs) (laughs) That's not a cookbook. Exactly. (laughs) What perspective would Um, you like to hear? I don't even know. Um, Someone who was in the control room that night, or maybe a KGB leader who was given truth serum. Mm. <laughs> I, I don't know. There were so many lies and cover-ups that I feel like no one person who was there and a part of it would know the whole truth. That's so, so I think Yeah. I think that Adam Higginbotham did such a good job capturing all of these people's stories mm-hmm. that I don't think I anybody else could compare. Yeah. Honestly, absolutely.
0: it has to be kind of a collection of all these stories to make it.
1: Yeah, you have to piece Chernobyl. it together to figure yes. out what the hell actually happened. Because yeah, not everybody
0: sees saw everything that happened from start to finish or all the consequences or what happened in the hospitals or yeah, whatever. Like they were
1: so vast, right? Again, like
0: it involved so many people. It was so immense that yeah, you need many different viewpoints. Totally. All right. <laughs> so fun. What songs does this book make you think of? Oh, are you ready? I am so I ready. I have a
1: lot. Okay.
0: Okay. <laughs> I'm repositioning, getting
1: ready. Okay. So the very first one is Radioactive by Imagine Dragons. And seriously, how yes. did it take you so long to think I of this? I don't know. I am not smart. Literally, like page one, I was like, radioactive. Uh. I
0: think it, I had to say the word radioactive out loud. And that was probably the first time I had actually said it out loud. Otherwise, I was just typing it or reading it to myself. But oh, man. I said it, I was like, oh, hey, yeah, that's a song.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. it definitely yet,
0: is. I'll just say now that is number one on my list as well. <laughs>
1: Surprise. As it should be. Yes. <laughs> um, Back in the USSR by the Beatles. Mm-hmm. Got that. Uh, Check. Yep. <laughs> Two Minutes to Midnight by Iron Maiden. Oh, yeah. Which is actually a protest song about nuclear war. And <gasps> oh, it's very interesting. That's perfect. I'm a big Maiden fan. So I love having a little Iron Maiden on the list. That is so suiting. I love it. Yes. Atomic by Blondie. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, Doomsday Clock by The Smashing Pumpkins. Nice. The Manhattan Project by Rush because all things nuclear. Why not? Um, <laughs> Sorry. I just have to
0: say about Rush. I, you would think that I would know a lot of Rush because that's kind of like the genre that I love so much, but my parents yeah. hate Rush hate them and like every time they would come on the radio station like it would be like slam like off and now I'm just kind of discovering them more so like I've obviously heard their songs a little bit but like
1: getting more into it I'm like This is great. I love this. What What is wrong with my parents? About Getty Lee. But it's like, okay, so people are gonna come at me for this. But yeah, I have that same reaction to tragically hip songs. So my parents did the same thing with Rush and
0: Tragically Hip. And so I don't know any tragically hip.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But like if you tell like Canadians that you don't like the tragically hip, you were like. They're going to like lynch mob you. I feel exposed. Don't come at me. I don't tell people this. (laughs) (laughs) I don't tell people this for a reason. (laughs) That is so funny. So That's funny. But yes, um, Rush is fantastic. I love it. Um, (laughs) I also have the song Secrets by One Republic. Because, you know, Mm -hmm. secrets. Secrets. Yep. (laughs) Uh, This one is called Time Will Crawl by David Bowie. Mm. And it's actually written about the Chernobyl disaster and oh. I'm a big Bowie fan as well so cool yes and I've actually figured out that uh baby really likes David Bowie because I went on a big David Bowie kick and every time Bowie is playing baby is like kicking the shit out of me so either they love Bowie or they hate Bowie but I'm going with they love Bowie <laughs> maybe, maybe there's a baby name there right little Bowie oh that'd be cute cool. you know I do need a boy name yeah Boy names are hard. Oh my God. They're so hard. So hard Ugh, struggle. Um, toxicity by system of a down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, and this last one, I don't actually have it on my list, but it popped into my head when I was re-listening to our last episode mm-hmm. and it's just a fun one, but it's living in the fridge by weird Al. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> living in the fridge is so perfect. After the putrefied food <laughs> that moves, open the door. Yes. When you, yeah, when you listen yeah. to the song, yeah, living wow. in the fridge needs to be on the Chernobyl playlist. I love that. That's a great list. Good job. Yes. And what's on yours?
0: <laughs> okay, so here we go. Uh, so yeah, obviously radioactive had that one. Um, mm-hmm. It's the end of the world by rem or rem or whatever which is also appropriate Mm -hmm. because rem is also known as rankin equivalent to man right about in the case i'm like oh look at that double meaning i love it (laughs) this next one i don't expect anybody to know this song but it's going to be really weird on our playlist it's x-ray by tommy cash so x-ray obviously makes sense but see i have this weird obsession with um like, Russian music and, like, really weird Russian music, right? Mm -hmm. So (laughs) Tommy Cash is actually Estonian, but he's got some messed up music and music videos. And, yeah, so X-Ray, I just wanted to include one of my favorite, like, Russian or Estonian Eastern Europe bands. And so I was like, oh, well, X-Ray sounds appropriate. If you listen to the lyrics, they're not going to be appropriate. They're not going to be relevant, but... I wanted to throw some of that in there, into the... That's awesome. And I can't wait to listen to it because I've never heard it, obviously. (laughs) Yes. And uh, if anybody wants to know my favorite crazy Russian band, it is Little Big. If anybody wants to dive into that, watch their YouTube videos. It is something else. And I can do one of their dances it's my party trick but <laughs> I usually you know am under the influence in order to you know make that happen so that won't happen so quite it hasn't a while happened lately not lately I actually I was forced to do it this summer and I was very like reluctant to do so so it wasn't very vigorous but I did <laughs> but if anybody knows the song or the dance to Skibbity that's that's my thing anyways love it it's fantastic okay, this next one um, I feel like I need to pull it up because this is just a, a spooky vibe kind of song. And I, I just got it off of TikTok because like all the Chernobyl songs, like anything that's Chernobyl related, people put this song on it. It's Hoist the Colors by Calm McGuinness. Okay. And it just, it makes sense. Like it's a really cool, spooky song, but I feel like nobody's going to know it by the name. So I'm just going to pull up a TikTok and see if it will play that song. <laughs> Hold on.
1: Okay. Oh, it's creepy. Yeah.
0: Anyways, that's my TikTok song. That's
1: um, I, horrifying and creepy. It's
0: perfect for the playlist. It's yeah, actually, I mean, his vocals are amazing. Just saying, if you listen to the the whole song, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> so there's that.
1: <laughs> Back in the USSR by the Beatles, like you said, because it's about the USSR. Yeah. How do you not put that in there? Right. <laughs> I have
0: "Feel the Rain on Your Skin" <laughs> by Natasha Bedingfield because radioactive
1: rain. Black rain. Yep. Maybe yeah. don't feel Maybe the rain don't. on your skin if you've been to Chernobyl. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's up to you, I guess.
0: Maybe hide from the rain. <laughs> uh the roof is on fire by Rockmaster oh, Spot. And the Dignity. good one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that just takes me back. <laughs> yes, and this next one. This is my last one. Was it me by Shaggy? But <laughs> yes, <laughs> I did make some lyrical changes here
1: if you would like to hear my version. 100%, I need to hear your version.
0: Okay. (laughs) I have to compose myself. (laughs) Hold on. I'm so excited for this. You have no idea. Okay. Safety tests weren't complete. Wasn't me. Design flaws in the reactor. Wasn't me. Poorly trained operators. Wasn't me. Everyone's in danger. Wasn't me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I love it. And I feel like I should just leave now. Like there's the door. Goodbye. (laughs) That's my favorite. You're my favorite. I love it. I just knocked something off my desk. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Yes. Also, I freaking love that song. It's hilarious. It's great. (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was very appropriate. Just needed a little, just a little change. I love that. Yeah. Love that. That is a good playlist. I cannot wait for that one going to be a good one. One of the best, I think. Yeah. Yes. Um, what (laughs) questions do you still have? (sighs) Oh man.
0: Um, probably the true death toll is at the top of my list. Although I know it's not something that can really be determined. I'm just not satisfied with the range of 31 to hundreds of thousands. Like can we
1: narrow that down? Yeah. I do not believe that the death toll is 31. It has got to be higher than that. And it's probably in the thousands, but again, we'll never know the truth. Exactly. But
0: oh well, <laughs> what about you? What questions
1: do you still have? Um, My only question was really, how could anyone possibly believe that this would not fail? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know. know. That's, that's it. I feel like yes. I'm just
0: at the point where I'm just like, okay, Chernobyl, I've exhausted you in every possible way. And I just, my brain is fried. So I, I'm done. I don't really have any more
1: questions. Yeah. No, <laughs> I'm, over I'm it. like the book, the book covered so exactly. many details that it's hard to actually have questions Absolutely. left over, which is a good, yes. I like having that feeling after reading a book. Cause like when you yes. finish a book and you're like, but, but you forgot about this, about this. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's a good point. I hate
1: that. Yeah. Me too. Um, What did you Google while reading this book? Uh, Besides the usual like pictures and people and whatnot, I had to go back and relearn some high school social studies, things like Glasnost and Perestroika and the fall of the USSR. I was like, I remember Mm -hmm. learning about these things. I don't remember what they are now. So yeah. And all of like Gorbachev's principles and whatever. Good for you. That's more, than, that's more than foundations <laughs> of Paris Rick And I was like, oh yeah, right. Good for you. That's yeah. ambitious. Yeah. Yeah. You couldn't make me go back and relearn physics. Right? Social studies. Yeah. I'll go back and do that. Sure. Fair enough. I <laughs> took on the
0: physics. You took on the social studies. We got this.
1: Right. Yeah. It's all good. What did you, what all
0: did you do, oh. What did I not Google? <laughs> like I Googled literally everything and anything related to Chernobyl and lots of sciency things. Like we just said, I taught myself nuclear physics. <laughs> so that was fun. Yeah. And uh, let me tell you, if my usual research of murder and death hasn't put me on some type of watch list, my research on bombs <laughs> likely did. Like I am <laughs> on several lists now. <laughs> I'm like, oh, this is... This is bad, but I got to learn it. Fine. <laughs> it's I'm not going to actually make a nuclear bomb. No, I'm just, it's fine. I just want to understand it and explain it to the people. So that I just, others can't, no, I'm kidding. No.
1: <laughs> please don't, <laughs> please don't kidding. make a bomb.
0: I'm not responsible or liable
1: for any of your actions. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you had the chance to ask the author one question, what would it be? Or a person involved with the case. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: to the author, are you okay? Like, is your brain completely melted after that? Are you still a fully functioning human? Because I don't think I would be. Like, yeah, you know that anti-drug commercial in the '90s where the girl is like melted into the couch. I feel yeah. like that would be the result of writing this book.
1: I think so. I think you're yeah. right on par there. Yep. <laughs> yeah. What about you? What question do you have? Um, Honestly, I would love to just sit down and talk with the author. Mm -hmm. Um, I would want to know what it was like going to the exclusion zone and what it did to his emotional health, Mm -hmm. listening to the people's stories and researching the horrors that happened during the accident and after. Like, seriously, bro, you okay? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Basically, we're just really
0: concerned about you, Adam. (laughs) Please reach out if you need.
1: (laughs) Yes. But I can't imagine, like, even just reading all of that was overwhelming to hear about and yes, visualize. And, but hearing those personal stories, like one-on-one, like that would be a lot. Yeah. How do you separate that from your normal everyday life? But yeah. And your, your trip to the exclusion zone, like what, what was that like?
0: No kidding. That'd be uh, fascinating. Yes. Great questions. Um, we kind of already covered
1: this, but would you read more books from this author? Why or why not? Well, absolutely. I already said I would. Um, it was just so well researched and so well told that I think any story he wants to write about, he would keep it at the same mm-hmm. caliber. Yeah, he would do a great job for sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Again, we already mentioned, but he's apparently currently writing about the Challenger disaster. And I'm sure he would do an incredible job on that and give mm-hmm. amazing insight to that whole situation. So not true crime, but still would be very interesting for sure. Totally, That would be right up my dad's alley. <laughs> if that When that totally. book comes out, I will buy that book for my dad because he is like the historian of the family. He loves this kind of stuff. And he's literally the same. He, I, he brings I, up the challenger so much to me for some unknown reason, but we we talk about it often. So I feel like that would be yes. very suiting. And well, I feel like your dad- out- Merry Christmas,
1: Dad. Yeah. Uh, I feel like your dad is similar though, isn't he? He's I literally just gave him Midnight in Chernobyl last yes. night. Yeah. And I was like, you have to read this book, Dad. I'm done with it now. Yes. And he I was like, oh, maybe. Like, and I was like, no, no, you're gonna love it. He's he like, okay, like, for sure, for sure. So yes. if my dad sat down and
0: read, I would give him probably this book as well. But I feel like yeah. one would be enough. Yes. <laughs> Falls asleep a lot.
1: <laughs> That's fine. My dad loves to read. So, like, nice. Yeah. Once he gets reading this, he and I can have some good chats, I'm sure. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely have to give us his feedback.
1: <laughs> totally.
0: Yeah. I'll make him. <laughs> yeah. Please do. It actually would be very interesting to hear his thoughts. Totally. Uh, what would you rate this book? I had a really hard time reading this book. Like, it was great writing, incredible detail, but. Definitely not a casual read that I would pick up time and time again. No. So I kind of made it hard to put a number on it, but just off the top of my head, the number 8.5 out of 10 cats came to mind.
1: So that's what I'm going with. I give it a 10 out of 10. Wow. Yeah. Is that your Which first had, 10 out of 10? I think it is. Wow. It's very close to it. I might have there one out 10 out of 10. Maybe. There hasn't been many though. No, but it was just so well done wow. that i just yeah. i've been telling lots of people to go read this book so i'm like i think that's what i have to read it so. that's fantastic i love that yeah <laughs> next question
0: would you recommend this book to others
1: <laughs> absolutely friggin <laughs> uh,
0: no surprises there
1: no it's not for the faint of heart though right mm-hmm. like you have to choose your audience i'm pretty sure we say for every single
0: book like there's always a target audience there's always people that yeah. were like maybe this one's not for you. Right. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, obviously I would as well. Anyone that is interested or intrigued by the subject should read this book. And obviously, like we just said, Mm -hmm. it's not a light read, but, um, yeah, you have to be in the right mindset to jump into it, but it's definitely worth it. I just feel like everyone thinks they know Chernobyl, but nobody really knows Chernobyl, knows Chernobyl. you know? yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's how I feel about it. So anybody that's interested, this is definitely the book for you. Definitely. And then before we jump into our next part, which is we're going to be chatting about the HBO series of mm-hmm. Chernobyl, um, we had a little bit of
1: listener feedback. Yay, we love listener feedback. So- at
0: Eva vs. The World on Instagram, sent us her review of Midnight in Chernobyl that she had written on Goodreads, which reminds me, I have thought about making us a Goodreads account a while ago. I have not done it. I don't know if people would be interested in that, but let us know if that's something we should do when we return. If we should have a little group thing on there so people can go on there to chat about books and book club related things. Let us know. That's a fun idea. Yeah, we'll look into it more, but if you have any thoughts on it, please let us know what you think. Totally. Anyways, Eva versus the world. She says, in short, this is one of the best nonfiction books I've listened to on audio, and the narration was amazing. I recently got the book on Kindle, so we'll definitely be rereading very soon. Then she goes on to say, I have known the story of the Chernobyl disaster for a long time, as my parents have experienced the complications firsthand in 80s Poland taking iodine pills and shots was standard for a couple weeks following the disaster, or rather, the admission of the fact that it occurred. However, to anyone who is not familiar with how the Soviet Union worked in Eastern Europe back in the day, I'd recommend doing a bit of research despite the book describing things in a lot of detail. I enjoyed the fact that it was a detailed account of the explosion in the plant without being too overwhelming. The book focuses on many aspects of the event, from way before the reactors were built, through what the engineers did before and on the day, to the rescue mission following the explosion. Some parts of the book felt very emotional to me upon the realization of how many people have actually lost their lives during and after the tragic event. It's also heartbreaking to think that the leaders of the Soviet Union cared more about their image and the PR than the well-being of everyone who lived in the Chernobyl area. Midnight in Chernobyl is a fantastic book that you should read if you are even remotely interested in history, or if you've seen the HBO slash Sky series and want to know more about this disaster. The series omits so much detail, which you will definitely find in this book.
1: Girl. Right? Oh my God. Fascinating. Like. Summed that up beautifully. Absolutely. Um, The fact that your parents lived through that is overwhelming and like literally my jaw dropped and I like clutched at my heart when Tara yes. read that so and I could see it out um, of the corner of my eye it was very
0: distracting wow Michelle's <laughs> oh. reaction to that was intense <laughs>
1: yeah oh my gosh thank you for sharing that with us so we really appreciate that yes it's it's fascinating and then it just
0: comes back to how many people this affected like not exactly. just Pripyat, not just Chernobyl, not just Ukraine, like no. Eastern Europe, potentially further. So many people were affected by this. Oh my gosh. Hard to wrap your head around. And I'm so curious, all these people that were affected, like how they perceived it. They were taking medication for it. Were they scared at the time or was this like, okay, we're just going to do this and move on? Or like, how did that impact them? I'm so, yeah. so curious.
1: Yeah. And I'm sure it impacted everybody
0: differently too. Absolutely. Yeah. So again, Eva, thank you so much for uh, sharing your feedback on the book. We really, really appreciate that.
1: That's amazing.
0: Yeah. And it also segues perfectly into our next part because she had mentioned the HBO series and how you should definitely go watch it. And that's what we're going to be talking about now, which I would agree, you should probably go watch it. (laughs) I definitely yeah, mm-hmm. in small dose. Uh- <laughs> yeah, small doses. And I just want to mention before we dive right into it, um, the HBO series was actually based on the book Voices from Chernobyl, and that's written by Svetlana Alexovich. I apologize if I said that wrong, but that's my closest guess. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it was not actually based on Midnight in Chernobyl, so obviously it's not exactly the same, but obviously the history and facts, they're going to be quite similar. Totally. So Michelle, you watched the show way
1: before I did. What were your first impressions of the show? Um, I was overwhelmed by the show. Mm -hmm. I could only watch one episode at a time and it set my anxiety off. Like I was so intrigued by the information, but it was like the visuals were too much for my brain to comprehend. Mm -hmm. And literally i'm the girl i laugh through horror movies i can i can talk about freaking true crime till i'm blue mm-hmm. in the face but one episode of chernobyl i was like i can't i can't you gotta like, take a step back for a bit yeah um i have obviously since rewatched it because i watched that but when it came out it was a while ago which i yeah. think was 2019 that sounds right. um it was pre-pandemic because i was still at work mm. um <laughs> <laughs> I hate that we can have a freaking timeline that's pre-pandemic and yeah but for yeah, somebody that is
0: terrible with timelines and when events occurred it's very helpful.
1: <laughs> it is. It is. Um so when I rewatched it this time it still gave me anxiety not going to mm-hmm. lie. But I appreciated the story that it was telling even more mm-hmm. because we had dove so deep into the disaster. But still the subtle things done in both visual and audio in the show paint such a drastic picture. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of music in the show. There's not a lot, but when they have it, it hits you. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not overdone. Some things are very subtle, but at the same time you see the magnitude of the situation and the rising severity of it all through each episode.
0: Mm -hmm. Wow. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Agreed, agreed.
1: Yes. What was your first impression?
0: My first impression was a little bit different. I'm not going to lie. Um, I have a really hard time sitting down and watching TV because mm-hmm. I feel extremely guilty if I'm not productive every waking moment of my life, which is not healthy. I understand that. But, anyways, it took me a while to get into because it's not one that you can do other things and no. watch and understand what's happening. So, you have to really sit down and focus so you mm-hmm. get the full experience. So I'll admit that I had to restart it a few times to get into it, but I'm glad I persevered because once I did, then I had very similar thoughts to how you perceived the
1: the show. Interesting. What were some similarities you noticed between the book and the show? Well, obviously there was a lot of things.
0: What happened after the explosion, like the scene from the control room For it seemed very similar. Obviously, they can't show every detail of what happened. um, But what they did show was a really good representation of what happened after the explosion. And the constant, Mm -hmm. the reactor can't explode and pump water into the core was, of course, very accurate as well. Mm -hmm. We know that went on for far too long. Mm -hmm. Um, Other good similarities, uh, life continuing on as normal around Pripyat the delayed but very calm evacuation was beautifully done and the mm-hmm. just a little detail but the buses like just the era of them like just the look of everything beautiful mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. also the liquidation of the animals was well done Ooh. it was horrible Ooh. and disturbing but the scenes themselves very well done
1: mm-hmm.
0: Also, the casting was great. Many of the people looked exactly like they did so in real good. life.
1: Like oh the reaction to the casting was like amazing. amazing.
0: <laughs> like the actor that played Victor Berkonoff was like bang on. Fucking dead on. Like it blew my mind. The accents though, they bothered me. <laughs> Not gonna lie. Um yes. And like I have said, I love a good Russian Ukrainian accent. It's honestly yes. one of my favorites. I have Learned the Russian alphabet <laughs> because I wanted to learn the language. And then I realized that is far too complicated. <laughs> but anyways, I was just a, a little bit disappointed that I didn't get to hear those beautiful Russian accents. But yes, that's okay.
1: <laughs> um, and there is a podcast that actually goes yes. hand in hand with the show. Yeah. Um, and they did talk about the accents mm-hmm. on there because a European accent is better than a Crappy fake Russian accent always because they didn't want the actors to sound like Boris and Natasha from Rocky and Bullwinkle. Yeah, they didn't want to sound like almost cartoony or like overdone or
0: just silly, which
1: I totally understand. And it, yeah, it was one of those minor details that like it kind of pisses you off in the first episode, and then as you go through, you're like, okay, like yeah, these are just these people, and this is how they speak, right? So exactly, yeah. Um, I thought that there was quite a few similarities, like you said, Mm -hmm. um, pretty accurate description of what happened, the explosion, the control room, all of the things with of course, a few artistic privileges, Mm -hmm. but I would say that it showed the people involved and the set design were like Mm -hmm. beautifully similar. The buildings of Pripyat in the show Mm -hmm. looked just like the buildings of Pripyat in real life. And Like the casting was like we said, dead on just Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. there's a scene. I don't know if you remember it, but there's a scene in the, when they're in the trial and there's the three men sitting in their like closed off box. And you can see like a picture of these guys later in the book or whatever. And it looks like they just took those guys and put them in the show. Absolutely. When
0: I had to pick out pictures for our social media, for our Chernobyl series, it was really difficult to determine what was real and what was from the show. So yeah. that says a lot, like they did a great job in that trial. I yeah. know exactly what you mean. They were bang on. Yes. Um, let's see. What were some differences that you noticed between the show and the book?
1: Um, the biggest difference I would say that was obvious was the introduction of the scientist, Yulana Kamiak. Mm-hmm. She wasn't a real person. Right. But she was used to show the multiple different scientists that did the digging into what actually happened in reactor number four and pushed for the world to know the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, they just, instead of introducing a whole bunch of other people, yes. they introduced one person that they could focus on. And from a visual learning aspect, I really appreciated that because then I'm not like, who the fuck is this guy and right. that guy?
0: And like in a story where there's already so many people involved, it, it makes sense. Yes.
1: Yes. Um, The other major difference was that they didn't show really all the failings and cut corners Mm -hmm. right from the inception of the RBMK reactor. It was all about from the explosion. Yes.
0: It started at the explosion. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Which most Chernobyl stories do. So Right. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. What did you think?
0: Um, See, well, I was just going to say, of course, there's going to be differences in inaccuracies, just how any other TV show works, they can't exactly show what happened due to timelines and complications mm-hmm. and and just the so many people involved and everything like that. So obviously there's going to be differences. Um, before I get into the big differences, though, I'll just acknowledge there's explanation for pretty much all of these on the Chernobyl podcast, like Michelle said, that there's a podcast that goes hand in hand with the show, and it is fantastic. I would highly recommend Phenomenal. watching one episode and watching or listening rather to the podcast that goes with it it made Mm -hmm. it so much better. Like the show was already fantastic, but I just appreciated it just so much more after listening to that podcast. So same. And I'm pretty sure I
1: mentioned that later
0: in my notes too. (laughs) Sounds good. Um, So yeah, basically the creator of the HBO series discusses his reasoning behind a lot of the creative decisions that were made. And it just makes everything make a lot more sense when you Mm -hmm. dove deep into this case and you can be like, that's not correct. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, there's actually a reason for that. So and that being said, these are the big differences that I picked out. First of all was Yolana, like you mentioned, she wasn't actually a person, but we already went over that. The three men that made made up the suicide squad did not mm-hmm. stand up and volunteer for the position, though I know this was done to illustrate their bravery, which they mm-hmm. were incredibly brave to do yeah. that. so
1: they yeah. and they deserve they can have a little shout out that way. exactly. That's they They, they deserve
0: the recognition. But it didn't quite happen exactly like that. But that's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, the trial had some inaccuracies. Like it only showed three of the six defendants. Uh, Berkhanov, mm-hmm. Fulman, and Dyatlov were the main focus. But there was three other men that were tried and convicted as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also Lagazov did not speak at the trial. In fact, he wasn't even at the trial. That yes. was more of a representation when he did his big presentation in another Another space I don't even can't recall exactly what the the forum was, but it wasn't at the trial that he yes. made his big speech mm-hmm. and then the effects of radiation, and this was a big one. they showed people spontaneously bleeding after being exposed, and essentially their skin melting off, but it doesn't really happen like that. um, other aspects of the radiation effects were really well done, like they discussed the latent period which the patients start to show improvement Mm -hmm. before going downhill. And they talked about the effects that it has on bone marrow and that kind of stuff. So for the most part, that was all well and good. But there Mm -hmm. was one thing that bothered me. (laughs) And that was the part where the pregnant woman lost her child. And Uh, and mm -hmm. the fictional scientist, Yulana, said, quote, the radiation would have killed the mother, but the baby absorbed it instead. End quote. And that's not how it works. No. No. It was a little bit too far-fetched, in my opinion, and they made it seem like the radiation sickness that the father was suffering from was contagious, but it's not. It doesn't work quite like that. She wouldn't have been affected by visiting him in the hospital once he's been decontaminated and everything like that. So that one was yeah. a little bit, it pushed it a little bit too far for me. Everything else I wow. think is explainable.
1: Yes, and <laughs> especially given our situations, like that, yes. <laughs> that scene was like, impossible to watch and right. <laughs> exactly it's not Gu- awesome. guaranteed there were babies lost because of radiation exposure because yes. it does attack rapidly dividing cells first which those are are t- yes. that are in bellies and whatnot
0: mm-hmm. but
1: yeah Absolutely. that scene was hard was i'm hard. sure
0: they were just trying to illustrate and really show the point of this affects fetuses but mm-hmm. that's not it's just not accurate. Like, no. And I know not only like did radiation have effect on babies and all that kind of stuff, there was also a lot of abortions that took place that maybe didn't need to take place as well, but that's a whole, that's a whole nother thing. But, um, I just thought that how they decided to bring that into the show was it didn't really sit well with me.
1: No. So that's my only, And that's, Totally fair.
0: Yeah, I think so. I think so. So that's my only real, like, this this is the part that I didn't like. Everything else has an explanation. It makes sense.
1: Yes. Um. What did you like best about the show? I think they did a good
0: job of showing the human sacrifice that was involved with the Chernobyl disaster, including the plant workers, firefighters, the suicide squad, miners, liquidators, and the bio-robots. Mm-hmm. They did a great job in all of those aspects, like all of mm-hmm. those categories were highlighted and they showed what those people did and what they sacrificed. So
1: I mm-hmm. thought that was great. What awesome. about you? Um, so many things. We've already talked about casting, but I'm going to talk about it again because it was so on point, <laughs> like amazing that yeah. they could pick these people out and they turned them into these people. It's just right. awesome. I also really appreciated how the show was laid out to tell the story. It covered a lot of information in just five episodes, Mm -hmm. but I think Mm -hmm. it really showed the immensity of the situation and what the scientists and officials were up against from the Soviet leaders and the KGB and all the secrets. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I really, really loved how the ending of each episode left you with something big visually that always invoked some kind of feeling. And that's like the the scene with the baby that was Mm -hmm. a last scene last thing you you see you are left with that feeling the flashlights dying while the suicide squad wades through the water under under the reactor at the end of episode one you're just like what the what
0: I just got chills just
1: thinking about it right yes they did a great job on that or like the cement covering the coffins from the men from the control room at the end of episode two like Mm -hmm. that just leaves you with this like feeling at the end of every episode and it's just yeah, looming, waiting for the next gut-wrenching tragedy in the next episode. Like, just so well done.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I really love the line that Legasov says at the beginning, and then it's repeated in the last episode. Mm. What is the cost of lies? And I found it beautifully impactful. Just beautiful Absolutely. start, beautiful finish. Yeah, that encapsulates <laughs> the whole situation
0: so well. Right? Yeah. But yeah, to expand on the endings, like you said, the feeling that you have when the one episode ends, it's hugely impactful. It's like so many shows or videos that we watch, like on YouTube or whatever. It's just like, okay, that's done. Now, what can I watch next? With these, it just sits with you and it lingers. It's just so heavy and it's just not easily forgettable, you know?
1: And I totally think it's. That's one of the reasons why I could only watch one episode at a time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I was like, no, nah, I need to process what you I just saw. Process, debrief, cool off. Do some
0: yoga. I don't yeah. know. like, <laughs> Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So I think any show that makes you feel that way, they did a great job. They've done something right. They've done yeah. something. Yeah, for sure.
1: Um, What did you like best about the show?
0: Best about the show. We talked about the best. Oh, fuck. Good <laughs> Lord.
1: what did you like least about the show
0: well I've already said it the accents again they bothered me but I got over it but the pr- yeah. portrayal of radiation sickness and the radiation absorbing fetus was what I liked least mm-hmm. about the show
1: what about mm-hmm. you um I can't really say that I really disliked anything per se it was disturbing all the way through mm-hmm. but it if it wasn't, it wouldn't have told the story so well, you know? Right. Um, but I guess if I had to choose one thing I could have done without was the scene where the liquidators had to go through the towns and kill the pets. Ugh. It was absolutely 100% necessary to show it. Yeah. Or it wouldn't have quite left the same impression, but man, that was, hurts to watch. That was it, rough. Like, yeah. Yeah. It was not yeah.
0: a fun scene to get through. It's not like it's a quick one either. It's like, a good portion of the episode is yeah. focused on yeah. the liquidators. And it's like, ugh, I oh, and the imagine. The puppies. Uh, like, I don't oh, even want
1: to talk about the puppies. No, I can't. I know. <laughs> I know. I oh, can't. It's awful. Yeah.
0: But it's, it's terrible. Yeah. But again, it's reality. It's what happened. It's and like I said, it was necessary story. to
1: tell the story. So yeah, exactly. That's just how it is. Yes. Would you recommend this show to others? Oh, absolutely. But not for the weak of heart. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and like I hear I say it um 100% recommend listening to the podcast that goes with it yeah we already talked about it um but oh my god those two dudes are so easy to listen to totally yeah I'm like these are podcast goals like I want to be that easy to listen to but I yeah I could listen to them talk about this all day long yeah absolutely and it just it showed how
0: well of the understanding they really had of the show because I think a lot of people like I read so many articles online about like what the Chernobyl series got wrong as if they didn't know but they're like no we absolutely understand this we know what happened we just chose yeah. to show it in this way because of you know timelines or whatever like they yeah absolutely understand what happened and like it's obviously not an easy case to fully understand. So you have to do your research. And they did yes. a good job of that. And the podcast really totally highlights that and shows that no, they do know what they're talking about. You just have to, you know, if you're making a TV show, you can't show exactly what happened over days or months or years. Like you have to compress it. You have to make these changes. You have
1: to take those artistic liberties and you know it's be okay just, with the liberties that you take.
0: Exactly. It's just the way it is. So absolutely. My answer, exactly the same as yours.
1: <laughs> yes. Great. Awesome.
0: And anything else that we need to unload about Chernobyl? Because oh boy. I think we're good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I told Riley, I'm like, I have to go talk about Chernobyl for the last time for a very long time because yes. my brain hurts. And he's like, yeah, you've been on that for like a month. And I'm like, A month. A month. A month. It's been it's been many months let me tell you
1: (laughs) I gotta say we have definitely like come a long ways because I just got a a reminder on my Facebook that Mm -hmm. this time last year we were covering Biggie and Tupac which yes given the opportunity I would love to redo that because I just could dive farther into it and do it better but yeah no life was crazy at that moment so
0: (sighs) life is crazy at all moments it seems never stops does it
1: (laughs) But yes, but about... no, like we've talked about so many other things and gotten better, and it's pretty cool. Yeah, I... the fact that you were able to cover fucking three episodes of physics and Chernobyl mm. and radiation, and you're amazing. Yeah. So well, while pregnant, and exhausted,
0: <laughs> like sick, sick, and I have ten thousand other things, my other lives that I have going on. It's yes. a lot of things, but yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I'm glad that you think that I did an okay job, and I hope everybody I else thinks did great. so. Oh, thank yes. you. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to say that about myself, just in case you know. <laughs> I, I have a hard time with that, but <laughs> thank you. And yeah, again, I hope everybody else enjoyed it too, and I'd love to hear your thoughts. And if you're listening to this way in the future, we record this like years ago. I don't care. Still, let us know what you Send thought it of to us. Let us know
1: what you think. Um, yeah, you can email us at murder and Merlot at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram at murder podcast, Facebook at murder and podcast, and Twitter at murder and Merlot one. You can listen to us on Apple podcasts,
0: Podbean, Spotify, and pretty much anywhere else you can find podcasts. We would love if you subscribed. And if you don't, you're dead to me. Yeah. And so we're not going to announce a new book. We've right. talked about this. Because it's almost baby time. So yes, send
1: us your recommendations though. What you want to hear in the future. Like we, we definitely have some on the shelf that are yeah. just like waiting for us to pick them up. So
0: yeah, but we'd love to hear from
1: you. Yes. And mm-hmm. I think we're going to try to squeeze in one more episode before mm-hmm. we call it quits for babies. That's, as long as neither one of us goes into
0: labor early. Because I um, mean it is a hundred percent possible that it could happen. At- Anytime.
1: <laughs> Anytime.
0: Yes. Yeah, so um,
1: we will try. We'll try to get one more in. Yes. And yeah, just probably a morning news, mm-hmm. fun, casual, you know, like, like we as do. we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I guess remember to drink wine because it's not good to keep things bottled up. Bye.